the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, the snow came back, right? So I thought we'd start off with some quotes uh, from some dictators, because obviously that's in the news right now. So you can think the way these guys do, because they're madmen, basically. Make the big lie. Make it simple. Keep saying it. And eventually people will believe it. That's Adolf Hitler. By the, by the way, that's the Oxford state of debate. You know, they just keep saying an untruth and it becomes truth. Death is the solution to all problems. No man, no problem. Joseph Stalin. You cannot run faster than a bullet. IDME. There is no state with a democracy except Libya on the whole planet, and that is Gaddafi. So, uh, you know, if you're dealing with sick people, that's a good group to start with. Um, anyway, uh, you know, we always talk on the show that you go to my webpage, and if you go to WHK's webpage, make it easy on you. You don't have to remember a lot of webpages, and you're listening to this on their webpage. What you do is just go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show, and it can take you directly to my webpage. And then you get uh, first of all, you can go to our, uh, you know, look at some of our stuff. We, you know, we do have the bulletin board where Rob Schleimer every week, you know, produces something called the Roadmap. Good stuff on there. Also on the Insight page, we're constantly changing the research there, uh, and it's not just on the stock market. It's it's stuff that you need to, to finance your own, you know. Uh, your own well-being, shall we say. Uh, by the way, if you'd like to be on my uh, w- monthly newsletter, uh, that is also stuff that you need to know, financial stuff that's not necessarily market-oriented, okay? Um, but you can also sign up for a dividend growth portfolio or a prime income list, our best ideas. Uh, we have a, you know small caps. We have uh, a multi-cap uh, portfolio, the whole kit and caboodle. So, uh, uh, by the way, I keep talking about this electric grid, and this is a little bit of an old... You know, it comes from June of 2021. But I don't think, you know, the Democrats are basically shoving electric cars down our throats. Okay? The electric is going to be important. So uh, you got to, you know, you got to ride with what the uh, the market's giving you. And that's a very important area. So, you know, um, we, we've been, look, we, we've all walked through the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, and it, it kind of reminds us of a lot of the post-financial crisis growth scares. Um, the U.S. equity market, which saw the S&P 500 tumble 14 to 15% from peak to trough, uh, we noted the average drop in these episodes is about 17.5%. All right. Uh, so with the Russian invasion of Ukraine dominating the headlines, uh, I wanted to kind of take a look and take a, you know, we, well, is there a value to take a moment and pause and reflect on where everything stands, uh, particularly 
the, the moment in time we're in. And overall, we see a, a backdrop for stocks that has a lot of, you know, a few challenges for it, obviously. We have the fog of the military and economic war, tighter monetary policy and inflation, um, a lack of new fiscal stimulus. But we also see reasons to, to be, you know, sending in a contrary buy signal for the stock market. Uh, the P.E. contraction that's been going on so far uh, is, you know, got stocks looking interesting. Um, you know, we have some particular concerns about this quarter, but I, I see some resiliency in the economic backdrop. And, and, and look, um, I will say this, uh, you know, if you look, look, you know, the last two weeks have been a global shakeup. Okay. Uh, there's a few winners emerging. Uh, you know, there's, I had several stocks hit new highs last week. You know, nobody, <laughs> I had a couple people write in, uh, you know, an email saying I was absolutely nuts to buy oil a year ago. I'm not sounding so nuts right now, okay? Um, and, you know, I, I didn't give you any specific stocks. I told you that we had a small cap stock. It was on our top 30 list, by the way. It still is. That would be a huge winner. It's up 57%. Not bad. That's a pretty good winner for a year. But, you look, uh, commodity producers are benefiting from higher prices. And I think, you know, you got to look at commodities a couple ways. The basic material people. Oil, and I, I sold some oil last week on the invasion, and, and uh, a day or two after the invasion, and I think I did it wrong, okay? Now, I didn't sell it all. I sold half of it, but I sold the exploration and production group, and I should have sold the integrated, because <laughs> I think the integrators are not going to hold up as well as the energy, uh, the, the exploration and production group, so I did it backwards, and uh, I... I knew what, I stopped doing it, by the way, when I heard Kramer. <laughs> I'm listening, and Kramer says, you know, I, I'm going to sell the oils. And I, I, so anyway, but the point is, is that there's a couple things that happened last week that I think are kind of interesting. You know, first of all, look, we, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Russia got in, and they're very close to Kiev, and, uh, Kiev and, uh, uh, but the, the VIX went down. VIX went down 5% last week. Why is that? People are no longer scared. You know, normally the VIX moves before the index. So that's kind of interesting. We've been holding this line in the sand that we've been talking about. And I think it's a line in the sand, by the way. You know, the 4,200, 4,250 on the S&P 500, you know, 13,000 or thereabouts on the NASDAQ, 318, we'll call it on the QQQs. And, and the Dow is kind of broken below and then broke right above it the next day. So uh, we're holding the line. All right, but if you look at valuation, uh, things are getting interesting. And, uh, you know, it, what we do is look at the S&P 500 earnings yield. And, uh, you know, we're below, you know, we're getting to the very attractive area. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And I think that's important. Now, look, there's a couple things I see that I think are really good. Uh, gold um, really looks good. And, and silver backed up. They both stayed way above their 10-day uh, moving average, which I think is a big positive. Um, you know, you may have a pullback here, but, you know, I think that's kind of interesting. But, you know, look, I, I looked at five or six stocks that if the commodities continue to go up, I think that's where you want to be. And, and uh, I'm going to talk about those in depth. But, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where uh, I think you have to, to, to pay very close attention. So, look, I think there's some investment implications for the Russian-Ukraine war. And. Uh, these are some ideas that, you know, first of all, there's going to be a resurgence in oil and gas. Now, I was way early. I made a lot of money. 
and I'm still there, okay? Uh, increased defense spending by uh, European NATO nations. So I talked about defense stocks last week. Accelerated inflation, unfortunately. Uh, Near-term flight to quality. Obviously, you want to avoid uh, high European exposures. I think you want to buy U.S. defensive-centric uh, stocks, I'll call it. Um, and there's a there's an agricultural super cycle going on. Okay, so uh, the, look if, if you look at the industrial sector, relative valuations at a ten-year midpoint. So we're not talking about going doing anything crazy or anything like that. All right. So uh, look. Um, Tom Porcelli, our economist, he said um, that the the far uh, well. Let's just let's put it this: he's highlighted many times. Just uh, he seems to be growing, but it might be a massive understatement to say the backdrop has been developing very quickly. Okay, rapidly, shall we say? Uh, energy prices increases are potentially crippling for a low end consumer. It's already feeling the pinch from uh, using up much of their liquid assets. You know, we've highlighted uh, the other day, you know, I, I went to the grocery store and I was appalled at how much I spent. I don't know about you folks out there, uh, but, you know, you look at rent, food and gasoline rent. You know, I look in, in Cleveland, you know, my son lived in Washington, D.C., moved to Cleveland and he, he got an apartment and uh, the apartment is the same price as it was in Washington, D.C. That's what I call inflation, folks, you know, uh, and food and gasoline, the whole kit and caboodle is up there. So Tom is, is a little bit worried about uh, what's going on there. Um, some people are saying that the fat lady is singing for oil. And uh, I, I, I think, uh, not trying to be contrary, but $130 is far less a burden versus the 2008 and, and 1990, uh, 1980 area. The median PE now is 16.7. It was 18.9. So, you know, some things are coming down fairly quickly. And, um, you know, in seven weeks, Russian, uh, well, let's put it this way. They've had 11,000 casualties there. All right. So I, I don't know how well they're, they're, uh, um, they're, they're doing. Uh, they're, they're, they're basically going against unarmed <laughs> civilians, which, uh, you know, doesn't make me, uh, um, you know, too worried. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about was everybody looked at the yield curve and said it was flattening. And so how do you buy dollars? You know, if you're if you're frightened in an international scenario, you buy dollars normally, okay? You buy do dollars either by buying stocks or bonds. So they bought bonds, and they bought the 10 and the 30 year because they were the most liquid. So they brought the yield down. By the way, yield went right back up. In three days, it was right back to where it was after a week and a half of it coming back down. So, um, obviously, you know, I think that the uh, the future is, you know, um, is is bright. You know, in the fact that we are we're no longer having that you know drastically uh, flat yield curve that everybody's talking about. But look, in the past, investors have been terrible at forecasting wars. Uh, you know, our, our good friend Tom Lee talks about Nathan Rothschild, who's one of the great bankers, and he was in Waterloo when the British troops cornered Napoleon uh, into their final defeat. And what he did is he quickly went back and he turned the intelligence into a financial game. He rushed back into London and spread rumors that Wellington had lost. It rocked the markets. He picked up heaps of assets on the, on the, on the cheap, okay? Uh, and I'm not sure what, what's going on right now, but 
the valuation on the S&P 500 earnings yield is getting to a very attractive area. Um, and that's, that's important. Um, you know, what we look at as professionals is we look at the earnings versus the 10-year yield and, and how we're doing, okay? Uh, and that's very, very important, I think, going forward. So, look, um, I think we have a couple things that we have to center on. We have to center on commodities and oil. We have to center on Ukraine. Inflation, obviously, is part of the commodity group and the Fed. And the oil strategy, we, you know, we might get escape velocity for the first time. Um, look, there's a tightness in the fundamental backdrop in years, and, and the development in the U.S., you know, Russia-Ukraine has ignited a market that has already been a coiled spring because of the administration's, you know, uh, shutting down pipelines and stopping, you know, basically stopping drilling. So how high can oil prices go? I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, our people think, and, you know, this is Michael Tran. He's a very smart man. And Halima Croft, who you see on CNBC all the time, she's a very smart lady. Uh, You know, they say pick a number. Okay, the market's in disarray, and and Biden's not backing off at all. So, um, I think I sold my oil too early, and as soon as I heard Kramer, I knew that I probably sold too early. So, I think what you have to do is bet. You know, as oil came down hard, okay, it came down fifteen bucks in two days, and if the stocks, you know, what we've been finding is stocks have been following oil, so the stocks should sell off. If you look, Exxon, you know, was ninety, almost ninety two dollars. It fell seven dollars the other day. We knocked Exxon down seven dollars. Now Chevron was the one that I didn't buy enough of, uh, and I paid one fourteen for it, and it just went. I mean, lift off. Uh, and I have a feeling it'll come back. You know, I, th- I don't think there's much left in it. Is what I'm saying. So, with all these stocks, I think you, you know you, you don't chase them here. You let them come back to you. Okay, don't be. I don't think you want to be aggressive here. So I'll leave it at that. By the way, I'm supposed to say that this is a live show, <laughs> and uh, if you'd like, uh, you can call in. The number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll try to answer any questions you have. Now, the Russian invasion of Ukraine uh, has put some lives and, and, and livelihoods at risk. And, uh, uh, God bless the Ukrainian people. I mean, they're fighting, and God bless them. I, like I said, I played soccer for their club here in Cleveland way back when. Uh, great, great group of people always treated me right. But look, we have higher inflation, lower growth. That sounds a lot like stagflation. That's what happened in the Jimmy Carter years. And but the conflict appears to have pushed some stubborn inflation even higher. Um, and I think what, but one of the good things that's come out of it is that Europe has come together, along with the United States. So the democracies have come together and said, "Hey, you know, we're not going to let this happen." So it's become a war on the ground in Ukraine, but it's become an economic war globally. And, uh, I mean, there's a very good chance that Russia could default on their bonds. So if you have any of the foreign bonds out there and they have any, you know, I don't even know if you get out of them. But, uh, um, look, inflation came in last week at 8-plus percent. Uh, That's a pretty high number, highest number since 1970. So, Look, we've been talking about this value versus growth, and, and I was early, and I apologize, but the Federal Reserve kept interest rates down a lot longer than I thought they were because of the pandemic. All right, so that's something you know you can't <laughs> you can't see in the future. Uh, but the point is, is that, uh, and, and we always talked about the Commodity Research Bureau index being from you know from 2009 to to 2020 went down 81 percent. 
you know, we still need commodities, right? So the value stocks will look pretty good here. And I think the commodities will go up a lot more than you think they're going to, because that's what happens. And uh, I've been through one of these before. And uh, I think, uh, you know, um, look, oil is, is a topic of concern. And I think, you know, the people in Europe are going to be very either very cold or very hungry this year. And, I, you know, I've already sent money over there, so I hope you have too. But I, I think you also got to, you know, what I'm seeing is some of the green stocks starting to to move. All right? So, uh, you know, precious metals, uh, you know, I, I really like what they did. They they came right uh, right to their, uh, you know, stayed, well, stayed way above their 10-day moving average. Um, but I, I'm still seeing the same things. And, and you know, I'm going to talk about this more in the next uh, next section. But uh, still seeing the same things as I saw last week. And we'll talk about those when we get back. This is Smart Investor Show. If you've got a question, you call in here. It's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. Um, you know, uh, look, I, I've been saying this for a couple of weeks. You know, I think there's some lines in the sand developing. Uh, there's some lines in the sand for some of the big growth stocks, the FANG stocks. Uh, there's a line to stand for the NASDAQ, for the S&P 500, for the QQQs, even the Russell. Uh, and I, I think we've got to be careful here. Okay. So now the good news is the bullish percent is around 34. And the bullish percent for small caps is around 20 and for uh, that's the over-the-counter uh, bullish percent, so that's the real small names, and the and the world index is around 24, 25, and we'll talk about that in the next section. But I think you know you've got to start to pay attention now, okay? Even your long-term holdings, if you know if you need the money now, there's some of the big bank stocks are looking shaky, right? Now the market's looking shaky, and I've said this before, uh, and I think we have to hold. Uh, and, and we'll see what happens. And you know, I've been talking about the market being overbought for some time now. So I think you need to keep a line in the sand. And uh, look, I, somebody asked me, you know, what, what five, six stocks would you, you know, grab? And, and I took, you know, my ideas. And, you know, I've been talking about chemicals. I've been talking about the rails. And I've been talking about uh, steels, gold, um, the pharmaceuticals. You know, a, a lot of names out there that uh, look like they're going to work. Okay, uh, I mean, there's there's one pharmaceutical that looks really good. There's two chemical stocks that look dynamite. There's two or three railroads that look really good, and the defense stocks they're a little bit overbought right now. So you want to wait on those. Uh, but look, the other thing is the green stocks. You know, uh, Europe's talking about going green. So, uh, but I think you got to use discipline. <laughs> And, you know, look, I, I'll never forget, I was, uh, a long time ago, I was driving with my wife. And uh, we pulled into this gas station, and uh, I was hungry, you know. So I got some chips. And my wife said, uh, you know, you don't have any discipline. And I said, yes, I do. I wanted chips and a Snickers. <laughs> so I only got the chips, you know. But you have to have 
some kind of discipline out there and you got to be paying attention right now. And, and I am. So, uh, uh, you know, I've been looking at the charts way too much, um, you know, cause I'm a professional warrior. <laughs> That's what I do for a living. So, but I did, you know, I do want to say that the precious metals, um, look really good and, and, you know, they, they're pulling back a little bit, but they're way above their 10 day moving average. I think the financial group, is one that you got to focus on because remember the interest rates came down and they beat the crap out of them. Uh, and, and many of the money center banks have fallen on hard times and look to be suffering along with the European banks and, and the investment broker dealer investment banks, you know, those type of things have under unperformed from, uh, since last fall, but has anything changed? Well, the, the interest rates backed up. Uh, and, and by the way, I think some of the regional banks are looking good too. So that's a group that, technically speaking, um, you know, it, it's treading water. But you know, uh, you know, they're right at their lows. So until they're broken, uh, you know, you could see, you know, well, I let's put it this way: that none of them have broken their trend line yet. So you got to watch them very carefully because they may be uh, they're neutral right now, but they, you know. But the stock selection, I think, is going to be quite important in that group. But, you know, take it from there. Uh, you know, and uh, um, so uh, hold on. I've got my notes here. I, people were talking about uh, being positive or negative. And negative, you know, breath continued to look terrible. The commodities are going up. Uh, but, look, if, if you want to be positive, you can look at GAN's mass pressure index, uh, and that looks like the cycle is going to turn up right into the Fed meeting. Um, the prices, you know, of the indexes keep touching, you know, support and then rallying above it. Okay. I remember last week, Wednesday, we had a 700 point move up and we've given back about 200, which is fairly normal. Um, and the treasury yields, you know, they bottomed and went right back up. You know, they got down to 175 on the 10 years, back over two. The 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 thirty year got below two is now two point three so you know they move it up pretty quickly um, which means that interest rates are going higher probably and and the market breadth um, was nearly five to one with the volume advancing stocks uh, and and when it's when it's a, a down day uh, we've just been two to one on the negative side so that's a very positive note and, and I think the most important one is sentiment. It's look, being bearish right now, you know, is is normal. Okay, it's very normal, and it's just the amounts of bearishness. I think the bear the bearish uh, bullish bearish ratio is now minus thirty one, so uh, that's amazing. But the VIX came down eight percent this week. Why? Hmm. You know, uh, it's something that I think you got to pay very close attention to, and. Uh, you know, I'll just say that, uh, you know, there's some people who have asked me, you know, what what are you thinking about when you say that type of thing? And I just, look, I just think it's important that you understand that uh, you, sometimes you got to think against, you know, what everybody else is thinking. But, hey, look, the, the real big problem is, is if I still look at the, the S&P 500 and I draw these trend lines, remember we, we, we draw a line on all the higher highs and all the higher lows. And that's our trend. 
we're still near the top of the trend. And the problem with these two trend lines is there's about 18% between the two of them. Now, the NASDAQ was above the trend line, okay? So people got a little bit overzealous, as shall we say. And the monthly momentum is still way overbought. It's not even to, it's not even close to neutral yet. So uh, I think, you know, there'll be some, uh, there'll be some, you know, uh, um, movement up and down. Now, when, when this happened back in 2014, we went sideways for three years with a couple loops, and that's when they were raising interest rates. So I suspect we'll, do, we'll have something like that. I, I, you know, I just say right now we're at a point where the, we have the line in the sand, and you've got to be careful, okay? If we break 42, I'll say 10 on the S&P 500, you should be looking at your portfolio very closely, 13, I'd say 1280 on the NASDAQ. Uh, and thir- uh, 318 on the QQQs, you know, those type of things. You know, uh, the, the, the stocks European 600 index is really, I mean, it, it broke out. It came right back to where it broke out. So it's really got a hold here. Um, we'll see what happens. And I think it's important that, you know, gold looks like this huge cup and handle formation going all the way back to 2009. And that's, you know, what Bill O'Neill sold to uh, our friends in uh, uh, at, at Vanguard and, Fidelity and, and all those good things. Uh, so, um, you know, so it, it, it's an interesting time. Uh, you know, gold, I mean, oil went up and then came back down 15 bucks and, you know, because it kind of went parabolic. So I think they'll, they'll be stagnate for a while. But look, I'm still positive. I still think we're in a four-year cycle. Uh, and the four-year cycle, we had the big down, the big up, and now we're, tr- we're going to tread water for a while. Um, you know, We've, this has been going on for a year now, okay? People don't understand that back in February of last year, I was saying I think the correction will probably start March 1st. I said it on the show, and it did, but it was underneath the, the surface, you know? But, I mean, now we're talking about we got 30% of the NASDAQ composite, which is 3,655 stocks, down over 60%. We have 70% of the New York Stock Exchange, which is like 6,000 stocks, down 30% or more. So there's been a correction going on. So it's been underneath the surface. So I think you're just going to be be very selective if you're going to buy anything. Uh, The the advanced decline lines, by the way, have been holding support. So, you know, we'll we'll see if, if – I think that'll be the first thing to improve. And if that improves, I think we'll be in great shape. The NASDAQ, uh, the uptrend is intact, but it has divergences, and I think you've got to be real careful with your NASDAQ stocks. I think the FANG stocks are starting to look a little shaky. Uh, you know, Facebook, they, or Metaverse, whatever, they really beat it up. And I, the real problem with the NASDAQ is that if you look at it versus the S&P 500, it's really lost a lot of relative strength, and I think that's important too. So um, now, um, you know, if I looked at things, you know, growth versus value, Value is definitely winning. And, you know, look, remember with value, usually the PEs start high. And when they go low, when they start making money, that's when you got to be careful. They are also, you know, when commodities come on board, it's big time late cycle. Okay? So remember that. So it's the end of the cycle. Just remember that. Keep that in the back of your mind. Hey, we're going to take a break. If you have a question, the number here is 216-901-0945. Uh, This is Smart Investor Show. We'll be right back.
just tuned in. This is the Smart Investor Show, and I'm Tim Hayes. Uh, you know, one of the things that I think we uh, uh, should be talking about is short interest. And, you know, it's amazing. Uh, well, the short interest is really up there. And, uh, you, you know, I don't know if, uh, you know, the SEC just started uh, making us report or everybody report on short interest a lot more than they had in the past. And so maybe that's it. I don't know. But uh, um, it, it's something to pay particular attention to because when that many people are short, I don't think they're that, you know, the shorts sharpen their pencil. A lot of, when you when you have the general consensus of a lot of people short, you should be paying attention because that's usually a contrary uh, indicator. Now, look, uh, one of the things that we talk about on uh, our friends at Dorsey Wright talk about, I should say, uh, you know, they provide us with a bullish percent, uh, is the rank of the money market group. And remember, we talked about two or three weeks ago how it it, it had rose in the dynamic asset level investing ahead of a lot of the bonds, et cetera. And uh, the rank this week came in at 59%. It's a pretty high number. And it's, you know, what we found in the past is that it's usually near, you know, when it, when it, when that gets up to a high point, it stays there for a while. And, and you, you have some bad periods in the market when that occurs but it's usually getting closer to the top than the bottom. Now, I had a lot of questions about cryptocurrency. And, uh, look, a lot of people are saying, hey, you know, cryptocurrency is a way to get money out of Ukraine and all that good stuff. And, and it, uh, you know, look, I'm, I just think if – I'm not an expert on this stuff, and I, I don't recommend it. Uh, but, you, you know, if you're going to get into it, swings of 50%, 60% are not unusual, all right? So – you know, you put your seatbelt on, <laughs> get your neck brace. All right. So uh, you're going to need it. All right. So a lot of people are short and that's interesting. And, um, you know, I, I think also what's really interesting is uh, where we are in position. Okay. With everybody getting negative. Remember this time last year, the bullish percent was at 80. And I said, we're up there, you know, be careful what you buy. And I've been slowly but surely uh, raising cash and then buying some more value-oriented stocks, all right? So the New York Stock Exchange uh, bullish percent, which is the one that our friends at Dorsey Wright follow very closely, um, has been keeping the score pretty well this year, although it's been volatile. It's bounced back and forth, bounced back, back and forth quite a, rec, uh, a lot. But um, we we are at 37.8. All right, so below 30 is the promised land. Above 70 is the red-hot zone, okay? That's when everybody's talking about their portfolios. That's when you should be worried, folks. When we get below 30 and nobody's talking about their portfolio, uh, that's when you should be greedy. It's that simple. you got to start thinking like a, you know, like a, a Wall Street trader, okay? So right now, uh, by the way, the bullish percent was designed by a protege of Charles Dow, to make him bullish at the bottom, to force him into being bullish, a fully objective scenario. And all he does is he looks at the number of buy signals versus sell signals. And when you get a lot of buy signals, it usually happens fast. I mean, sell signals, it happens fast, meaning distribution happens extremely quickly. All right. And it's only taken a year. And in a year, we had 80% of the stocks were on point and figure buy signals. 
That's when you should have been worried. And I talked about it last year a lot. All right, so now we're getting to, to 37. I think it was 30. Uh, I think we got to 3540 um, on on Friday. Uh, actually, I thought I saw 34, but um, I'm, my machine won't get to go back and forth. I don't. I only have uh, one screen here instead of the normal two or three. Um, in the in the over the counter index is below 30 now, and so uh, and the the world index I said was below 30. No, it's, it's at 32, but they're all in a column of O's except for the New York Stock Exchange. It's still in a column of X's. Let me say that again. It's still in a column of X's. So the offensive team's on the field. So as badly as this feels, the VIX was down 8% last week. The fear index was down 8%. The bullish percent is in a column of X's. Now, will it get below 30? It was at 30 just two weeks ago. All right? So didn't get below 30, but we started at 80. So we started at a pretty high thing. Now, one of the things that, we, you know, we pay attention to is the positive trend and the positive trends at 50 right now and when it breaks below 50 usually that's a bad sign you know it means it's going to be a rough market for a while so if we do what i think we're going to do i mean look we we had a big 780 point day we've pulled back 200 on one day i mean 119 on one day 100 and some odd on the next day okay so you break out you pull back and then you you know you might make a higher high for the first time in four months. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? All right? So we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, look, the, the NASDAQ composite uh, put in a, a column of X's for the first time in, wow, I think it's been four months. Yeah. Since, since the day after Thanksgiving, uh, it, it was the last time it was a column of X's. And, and that's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, it's down. It's in a bear market, below 20% on the downside. Uh, now, if I look at the dynamic asset level investing, and now we're talking about sectors now, energy is number one. Now, remember, we bought it last year. It was the, it was dead last. Basic materials is second. Financials are third. That's why I'm thinking financials, you know, with the with the, the yields, you know, the 10-year yield getting above 2% again, and the 30-year yield at 2.3, maybe, the, you know, they pick back up. And then uh, we have uh, – um, industrials and, you know, technologies are number six. So for all you, you know, technology guys, and I wasn't expecting that, by the way, dead last is healthcare. I'm telling you, I, I've seen a lot of pharmaceutical stocks and a lot of biotech stocks that I'm starting to like. Uh, and I, I, it hasn't, it's not the small ones yet, but even the small ones are getting a bid. And uh, the other area is utilities. I think, you know, that's an area that uh, people are not paying enough attention to. The utility sector broke a double top this week, and I'm looking at the XLU now, okay? Um, and, you know, that's a big positive. Uh, it's above its uptrend line, and they have nice dividends. So, you know, you got to remember, uh, you know, just – so I, I think if, if you look, you know, basic materials, you got to overweight, all right? Um, the area I like the best is chemicals, uh, financials. Uh, you know, you want to keep them overweight, but they may be weakening. They're at a point, you know, they're at the line in the sand. Utilities uh, are are improving. Technology is weakening. Consumer discretionary is weakening. Uh, you know, so those are areas you want to stay, you know, kind of away from. Now, the other thing uh, a lot of people have been asking me about, what about Europe? Well, the EEM fell to its, uh, I don't know, I think it's a six, 
straight consecutive uh, sell signal on a point and figure chart. Uh, it also violates bullish support lines. So I don't know if you want to be in the emerging markets. The EFA, which is the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index, came right to its upturn line and turned up, which is positive. Uh, we'll see if it holds. Um, I'm seeing less and less country stocks holding on. Um, I'm not going to go through that list. If you're, you're interested, call me. And, you know, it, it was interesting. If we look to fixed income and we look at the ten, and the Treasury yields, the TNX, which is the 10-year Treasury, uh, had a quick decline and then reversed right back up, and so did the 30-year. Now, I would still say inflation-protected and inverse fixed income funds and floating rate funds are those places to be versus the high, you know, high yield still under, uh, under pressure. Now, you know, we said that oil had been positive and then went negative for a week and a half and is right back at positive. So, uh, now it did get it did get hit. You know, and I told you I I thought that uh, oil would get hit uh, the day of the invasion. Well, it took about a week, so I'm sorry about that. But it got hit. You know, I I think twelve bucks. Now, um, nothing goes straight up, okay? And and so there's I don't care what it is. It doesn't go straight up. Chevron went uh, went went up higher faster than oil, all right? Parabolic chart right now. So you want to be careful with that type of stuff. But normally, uh, oil stocks are about a week to two weeks behind oil. So there might be another buying opportunity because I don't think this goes away. You know, gold's been positive for five weeks and it's holding on fairly well. Corn and wheat uh, went crazy. Uh, you know, corn went straight up. Wheat went up straight up. And it's hard to buy these right at the moment. you got to almost wait for a pause. You know, nickel... Nickel went up a thousand percent last week in a day. They had to stop. They still stopped trading. It's been the trading's been halted for three days. So that's going to make the electric vehicles a lot more expensive, folks. <laughs> uh, just in case you're interested. So you know, commodities uh, have been in a deep, deep bear market since 2009, and they're coming out of it. And they're coming out of it, uh, you know, with a fury. Okay, so that's something you got to remember. So. Um, it's going to be, it's going to get real interesting, I think. And, uh, you know, you have to, um, start to think like that. Now, a couple of things, you know, I talked about the high beta stocks for weeks and, and I said, it looks like they were going to turn up. It looks like we had a double top in those. They've broken support. Uh, high beta now is, you know, is dominated by cyclicals. So, uh, you know, the, the low volatility index, is dominated by safety stocks and uh they're considered somewhat growth stocks you know the coca-colas the procter gambles of the world uh you know low growth but growth stocks so um you're starting to see that break down uh so the industrials are breaking down a little bit now some of the basic materials are holding up so you got to look in the value index you can't just buy everything in the value okay you want to stay in chemicals like i said the rails I believe defense looks really good. Utilities look really, really good. And, uh, you know, you just got to be be smart about what you buy and when you buy it, if you're going to buy. Okay. So now the 10-year yield came down to one, uh, 170, and now it's back up to 2%, I believe. Uh, junk bonds still look a little shaky. Uh, and the U.S. dollar went straight up and broke the downtrend line dating way, 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 way back. I mean, uh, you know, back to 2000. I think two, uh, you know, so it, that's that's a very interesting development. And the Euro-Japanese yen relationship, which usually is um, when it's positive, 
uh, indicates that industrials are doing will, will start to do better. It broke down terribly, so be careful with your industrial stocks. Uh, oil futures went straight up to one one thirty, I guess it was was the high, uh, and then came straight back down. Like I said, nothing goes straight up, so you know you want to be fairly cautious with that. The other area I thought was interesting is is copper, which had been in a sideways movement, broke out to a new high too, and that's. Uh, that's, uh, that's a big positive. So, look, if I look at commodities and I look at gold and I look at the monthly momentum, it's still negative and it's just starting to turn up. So, you know, gold could be uh, really interesting. And, and the other thing is, you know, if I look at gold relative to copper, it had been in downtrend, starting to turn up too. So, uh, you know, the weekly momentum's a little overbought. See what happens from there. Hey, let's take a break. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk about uh, – insiders and stuff like that. If you have a question, 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Be prepared if you're going to argue with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Let's go to line two, Al in Pennsylvania. Al, sorry, are you still there? How dare you interject facts into an argument? That's just <laughs> it's outrageous. How dare I use facts? Never let facts get in the way of a good Democrat narrative. Am I correct? <laughs> Boy, that's perfect. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before Jay Sekulow at 6 on AM 1420. The answer. Charlie Kirk sees trouble to the north. So you might hate the truckers, you might not like what they stand for, but there's something much broader at play here. It's about the death of a system of government that is right next to America. We're going to seize your crypto assets because we don't like your politics? Yeah, that's just the way it is. You are seeing a historical event of a civilizational model of a representative government become an empire. The Charlie Kirk Show, weekdays at noon, right before Dennis Prager at 1 on AM 1420. And Odyssey. Okay, we're back. Just tuned in to Smart Investor Show, and uh, we always talk about insiders. And for the second week in a row, the insiders have been wrong. A big insider, you know, our, our friend Dustin Muscovitz, who uh, was one of the founders of Facebook. Uh, in the last week, has bought two million shares. The last two weeks has bought two million shares of Asana, only for have them. Uh, I think people, uh, well, they decelerate a little bit. Some people were talking about some rough margins, and they just slacked the stock. So, um, you know, we always we got, you got to talk about you know things that went wrong as things that went went right. Now, I am seeing uh, a lot of insider buying. A lot of insider buying. So if this is the end of the world, what are the insiders thinking? Well, they've been wrong two weeks in a row. Kodiak, the Baker Brothers, and the Baker Brothers have just an outstanding record, by the way, uh, and uh, in, in the biotechnology area, in the healthcare area. You know, that's what they do. They, they take institutional money and, and invest it for them. And um, they've been, they got whacked on Kodiak, and now our friend Dustin Muscovitz, who's, you know, by the way, worth about $30 billion or I think it's $25 million. Um, you know, that ain't chump change. Uh, that, that puts him in the Forbes 100 list. Uh, you know, he, he, it's the largest insider purchase in history. 
he got whacked. And you know what? I, I, I don't understand it because why would he be buying two weeks ahead if he thought the earnings were bad? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, or maybe the market just thinks the earnings are bad and they're pretty good. So now we did see a couple things that I really like, and that is uh, DoorDash, you know, which have been just crunched, uh, went from a hundred, well, almost two hundred dollars. I think it's uh, eighty-six bucks now. We had uh, a director, uh, Alfred Lin, buy thirty-three million shares, and then two days later buy seventeen million shares. Uh, and so, you know, you always like when they buy a couple times. Uh, now, I don't, I, I have not researched Mr. Lin, so. You know, it's just one to keep on your list. And Coliseum Capital Management continues to buy Purple Innovations, which, uh, if you know, they're into mattresses and things like that. Uh, you know, they bought a lot last uh, two weeks ago. Uh, they bought another $23 million this week, which is not chump change. And, uh, you know, so they bought $12 million and $10 million uh, the week before. So uh, that's a lot of money. And then Nelson Peltz. Now, the only time I've seen Nelson wrong was with GE, and I think that's because uh, GE wasn't telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth, and Ed Gardner. Each bought $21 million worth of uh, Janice Henderson Group PLC, their asset manager out of the United Kingdom. Uh, and then they bought they each bought $16 million two days later, and then two days later they bought $9.5 million which does not jump change either. <laughs> uh, and here's one that's interesting. This is in the, um, uh, you know, the, the payment uh, area. And uh, Jared Isaacman is chairman and CEO. He's no dummy. Uh, he bought, this is uh, shift four payments, and he bought 5.5 million shares. And by the way, he, he owned quite a few. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the wrong guy. Uh, he did not own very much. Uh, and then two days later, he bought another uh, $4 million worth. Um, and so you like to see multiple buys, obviously. And, uh, you know, we saw a few. Now, I did see a lot of million-dollar buys, like Veritex Holdings, which is a bank. We had uh, a director buy a million dollars worth. AES, which is utility, we had a director buy a million dollars worth. I oh, know that was a CFO, which is – I like when CFOs, by the way. And then uh, Hillman Solutions, which is tool and accessories, we had a million share, bu a million dollar buyer. Uh, Expedia, uh, another million dollar buyer, and that was the CEO, by the way. And then the chief executive officer of Lindy Holdings, which is in the security, specialty chemicals, uh, bought a million dollars worth. And uh, Amberella, which is in the semiconductors, we had another million dollar buy. I mean, we got a lot of uh, TripAdvisor, another million dollar buy, and and uh, we're seeing a lot of this. Uh, MP Materials. Uh, another million dollar buy, uh, so we, we've had quite a few of them. And and uh, the other thing I noticed is uh, B Riley Financial. Remember they were buying last week. Uh, we had we had two or three more buys there, and and then Western Airlines, which is a new name. Um, you know th this was a hundred twenty dollar stock, and now it's eighty three. And he stepped up and bought two million dollars worth. And our friend Harold Ham, you may recall that he bought Continental uh, at thirty two dollars, a ton of it. It is now $58, and he just bought another $2 million worth. Uh, he owns 156 million shares. It is not chump change. And then uh, Michelle Marooney, who's uh, a director at Carvana, you know, Carvana's got kills down from 250 at 113. She bought 2.6 million. And here's something I haven't seen in a while uh, Skechers, uh, Michael Greenberg, who is president, 
he bought uh, 2.8 million, and he also bought two days uh, after that another million, um, and then he bought another 500,000. So uh, something to think about. Uh, a lot of insider buying, and a, a lot of it's a million, you know, 900, and uh, I, I, the list is long this week, so I don't have time to go over it. But uh, there's, you know, a couple things. Uh, Sophie Technologies, which is in the banking area. Uh, Anthony Nudie, uh, who's, you know, used to be with Goldman Sachs, bought three or four times, 150 here, 150 there. Um, you know, we have, we have a lot of insider buying is what it comes down to. So, um, look, um, I want to emphasize this. In a bull market, a structural bull market usually lasts 16 to 18 years. But you've got to remember, 1987 occurred in a structural bull market. And then we rallied back, and then Saddam Hussein rolled into town and scared the bejesus out of us in a structural bull market. Okay? These were both better than 20% declines in a structural bull market and maybe one of the greatest structural bull markets in the history of the stock market. And then we had the Russian ruble crisis back in 1998. The market went down 20% in a blink. Right? These things happen. Okay, it's the wall of worry. We have to be worried all the time. Where the bull market has no contrary in opinion. You know, if if, if stocks went up all the time, uh, who would make money? They'd be scared to death to buy it up. Okay, so you need some contraction in the markets to to go down. Uh, now remember, you know, we're in this. You know, we have these generational cycles. It's sixteen to eighteen years, and I think. Uh, you know, the current one will be over probably 20, you know, 2032, 2033, you know, somewhere around there. Um, and, you know, if if we do have the same move that we've had in the other bull markets, the S&P 500 has gone up 2,300% from the bottom. That would be about 14,000. 13, we'll call 13,700 to 14,000 on the S&P 500. It's a long way from here. We're at 4,200. It's almost, you know, a triple from here, okay? So you got to think long-term. And we have these four-year cycles where we have a big down move, then we rally up, and then we have two two years worth of going sideways, then we have another big down move, and then that's how it works, okay? It doesn't go straight up. Nothing goes straight up. Not even oil. Not gold, nothing. All right, so you got to remember that. Now, one of the things that I like is happening is the four month and the thirteen month. Uh, you know, the four month got way above the thirteen month, and we always regress back to the mean in the stock market. So you want to come? You, it's, it's starting to fall back. So look, I'm going to talk to you. This U.S. electrical grid. If if the Democrats are going to continue to push electric vehicles, which it seems you know they're the best salesman for them right now. I don't know how, you know, you better buy them now because nickel going up a thousand percent, they're going to get a lot more expensive. There's a lot of nickel in most of these cars. But the electrical grid is a very important scenario for the future uh, if you're on the progressive side. Um, and also, you know, look, this is the time for dividends. You know, the chemical companies I've been buying have big dividends, okay? Dividend growth and the prime income list are a great way for you who are retired. The prime income list is a great place to be. I've got a lot of people involved there. I got a lot of people involved in a lot of the dividend growth stocks. 
although I'm not really following the act, the apps, you know, the I haven't put the thing together for them, but they have a lot of both. Now I have, I do have several people that I'm just doing the dividend growth. I'm just doing the prime income risk for them. Okay. Uh, but you can get those. If you go to WHK 1420, go to local podcast, go down to the smart investor show, you can go right to my webpage and, you know, please look at uh, Rob Schleimer. He's a smart guy. He gives you an idea of what's happening in the market. Okay. You know, the lion in the sand that we've been talking about, that's Rob's, terminology we can also you can get if you go into insights the the research constantly changes there it also has stuff that you need beyond the stock market financial information that can help you in other parts of your life uh, and it changes all the time so it's informational source that's good stuff is what it comes down to um, so you can get that in the meantime you can all just contact me and email me if you want to call me I answer the phone all right um, let, let us know. And, and what I think you need to talk about is right now we've got the dividend growth, the, uh, the prime income list, our top ideas, small cap, multi-cap. You know, we have a portfolio of, of all sizes of stocks uh, that we like. And uh, some of them have really gone up a lot in this down market. I mean, we've got one that hit a new high Friday and, and another that hit a new high last week. So uh, you got to pay very close attention to this stuff. But it's all available to you on the website. And, uh, you know, all you have to do is go to WHK, 1420 AM. If you want to have a cup of coffee, if you want to talk about your portfolio or set up a time to do a wealth plan, all right? You know, Alice said to the Cheshire Cat at the fork in the road, which way should I go? And the Cheshire Cat said, where are you trying to get to? She says, I'm not sure. He said, either road will get you there. So if you don't have a plan, you know, times like this scare you. Okay, if you do have a plan, you go back to the plan. You know, we have a thing called playground in that plan. And the playground says, uh, you know, if we do this, what happens? Okay? So, hey, don't remember, uh, go to WHK's uh, thing, down to the Smart Investor Show, go right to my webpage. You want to have a cup of coffee, let me know. In the meantime, have a great week. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.